Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. On a cold January morning in 2010, he pulled into a gas station somewhere along Highway 67 south of Dallas. He was driving his supercharged black Ford F-350 outfitted with black rims and oversized knobby, mudding tires. Chris Kyle had replaced the Ford logo on the grill with a small chrome skull similar to the Punisher emblem from the Marvel comic series and added a riot-ready aftermarket grill guard bearing the words Road Armor. He had just left the Navy and moved back to Texas. Two guys approached him with pistols and demanded his money and the keys to his truck. With his hands in the air, he sized up which man seemed most confident with his gun. Kyle knew what confidence with a gun looked like. He was the deadliest sniper in American history. He had at least 160 confirmed kills by the Pentagon's count, but by his own count and the accounts of his Navy SEAL teammates, the number was closer to twice that. In his four tours of duty in Iraq, Kyle earned two silver stars and five bronze stars with valor. He survived six IED attacks, three gunshot wounds, two helicopter crashes, and more surgeries than he could remember. He was known among his SEAL brethren as the legend, and to his enemies as Al-Shatan, the devil. He told the robbers that he just needed to reach back into his truck to get his keys. He turned around and reached under his winter coat and stared into his waistband. With his right hand, he grabbed his Colt 1911. He fired two shots under his left armpit, hitting the first man twice in the chest. Then he turned slightly and fired two more times, hitting the second man twice in the chest. Both men fell dead. Kyle leaned on his truck and waited for the police. When they arrived, they detained him while they ran his driver's license. But instead of his name, address, and date of birth, what came up was a phone number at the Department of Defense. At the other end of the line was someone who explained to the police that they were in the presence of one of the most skilled fighters in U.S. military history. When they reviewed the surveillance footage, the officers found the incident had happened just as Kyle had described it. They were very understanding and they didn't want to drag a just-home, highly decorated veteran into a messy legal situation. Kyle wasn't unnerved or bothered, quite the opposite. He'd been feeling depressed since he left the service, struggling to adjust to civilian life. This was an exciting reminder of the action that he missed. That night, talking on the phone to his wife, Taya, who was in the process of moving with their kids from California, He was a good husband. He asked her how her day was. The way some people tell it, he got caught up in their conversation, and only right before they hung up did he remember his big news of the day. Oh, yeah, I had to shoot two guys that tried to steal my truck today. A brief description of the incident appeared in fellow SEAL Marcus Luttrell's 2012 books, uh, A Navy SEAL at War, but it did not appear in Kyle's own bestseller, American Sniper. And there are mentions of it in various forums deep in the corners of the Internet. Before Kyle's murder at the hands of a fellow veteran in February, I asked him about the story during an interview in his office last year as part of what was supposed to be an extended in-depth magazine story about his service and how hard he worked to adjust back to this world to become the great husband, father, and Christian that he'd always wanted to be. Today, we finish up our Top Hand University with four qualities that Top Hands must have. We will learn of the four qualities from one of the greatest American top hands to ever walk this land. The four qualities come from Dr. Dace Clifton and excerpts about Chris Kyle come from an ebook entitled The Life and Legend of Chris Kyle by Michael J. Mooney. What makes a top hand? Is it a special skill set or is it available to ordinary people? Is it something learned 
or something gifted by the Almighty? How do we know if we ever reach it? Without further ado, let's see what we can learn about how to be a top hand. Chris Kyle was the son of a church deacon and a Sunday school teacher. His father's job at Southwestern Bell had the family moving a lot, so he was born in Odessa, Texas, but he told people he grew up all over Texas. About the same time he was learning to read, he learned to love guns. He liked to hunt with his father and brother. For his birthday parties, he wanted to have BB gun wars. He perched on the roof of his parents' house waiting for his friends to dart across the yard. He wasn't a great shot back then, but at least one friend is still walking around with one of Kyle's BBs in his hand. In high school in Middle Othian, he played football and baseball. He showed cows through the FFA. He and his buddies cruised for girls in nearby Waxahachie. He also liked to fight. His father warned him never to start a fight, and Kyle said he lived by that code most of the time. He found that if, if he was sticking up for his friends or for kids who couldn't defend themselves, he got to fight and he got to be the good guy at the same time. Once he felt like he was standing up for something right, he would never, ever back down. Kyle breezed through the Navy's basic training. He only made it through BUDS, basic underwater demolition, SEAL training, by way of sheer resolve. He told stories about lying there on the beach, his arms linked with his friends, their heads hovering above the frigid rising tide. He knew if he got up and rang the bell, if he quit, he could get hot coffee and a donut. The uncontrollable shivering, they call it jackhammering, lasted for hours, but he never wanted to stop. He joked that he was just lazy, that if the bell had only been a little closer, maybe his entire life would have been different. But the truth is, nothing could have kept him from his dream. He had more willpower than anyone I've ever met, Taya says. If he cared about something, he just wouldn't ever quit. You can fail at something. You can't fail at something if you just never quit. Taya met Kyle in a bar in San Diego just after he finished Bud's. When she asked what he did, she suspected from the muscles and the swagger that he was in the military. He told her he drove an ice cream truck. She figured he'd be arrogant, but was surprised to find him idealistic instead. But she was still skeptical. Taya's sister had divorced a guy who was trying to become a SEAL, and she'd specifically said she could never marry someone like that. Top hand quality number one. If you want to be a top hand, this is one of the absolute musts. And I'm not saying that uh, just for simplicity's sake, I've I've done them one, two, three, four, but they're they're more like one, 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 and one. You can't have just uh, in a sequential order because they're they're all encompassing. And the first top hand quality that we will talk about, not in order of importance, is that a top hand is always, always humble. They don't feel the need to brag or feel the need to bestow titles for themselves. Pride and arrogance are liabilities to a top hand. They don't seek validation from the crowd or feel the need to impress a stranger. In James chapter 4, verse, verse 6, the Bible talks in length about humility. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And again, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, the Bible says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? For you and me. One of the greatest acts of humility that I find in the Bible is they've 
come to arrest Jesus. And he says, do not think that at once, I I love that, at once, do not think that at once I can call upon my Father in heaven and he will give me 12 legions of angels. You know, it, it, it only took one angel to wipe out an Assyrian army. It only took one angel. What's like 12 legions of angels? That's like 5,000 angels. If Jesus wasn't humble, he would have gave up on us a long time ago. With a word, for he was the word of God, he could have wiped us all out. But instead of doing what he pleased, he did what his father pleased. And that was to be the savior of all mankind, which meant paying the price for you and me. Of paying our death on the cross. For the wages of sin is death, and he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Do we know how to put others before ourselves? Being humble does not mean that that we uh, uh, think less of ourselves. It just means that we think of ourselves less. Putting God before everything else. Putting our neighbor before ourselves. Just like Ty talked about him and Brett and even, even Mitch and Todd yesterday, man, you know, when something needs to be done, they didn't think about their own personal need for a day off. They just went and did it. They just went and did it. That's what humility is. That's what top hands do. The way he saw it, the most difficult thing he ever did was getting out of the Navy. I left knowing these guys who replaced me, he said. If he dies or if he messes up and other people die, that's on me. You really feel like you're letting down these guys you've gone through hell with. The hardest part, missing my boys, missing being around them in the action. That's your whole life every day for years. I hate to say it, but when you're back and you're just walking around a mall or something, you feel like a sissy. It nagged at him. You hear someone whining about something at a stoplight, and it's like, man, three weeks ago I was getting shot at, and you're complaining about, I don't even care what. There was also the struggle to readjust to his family life. When I got out, I realized I barely knew my kids, he said. I barely knew my wife. In the three years before I got out, I spent a total of six months at home. It's hard to go from God, country, family to God, family, country. You want to be a top hand. The second quality, according to Dr. Dace Clifton, is to be accustomed to great sacrifice. To be accustomed. The great sacrifice. What separates top hands from others is the price that they are willing to pay. They train for long hours endure, and endure great difficulties as well as pain. They have a willingness to sacrifice their own personal comfort, preference, and selfish desires. Every sacrifice is made for a greater cause. There are a few top hands. There are few top hands in the world because most are unwilling to pay. The real price, significant, long-term sacrifice. It's not a one-time price to pay. They are ongoing and go well beyond some initial period of training. The price is high to be a top hand. It's not a sacrificial moment or two, but a sacrificial lifestyle. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus is speaking, and it says, He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And again, in Luke chapter 14, verses 27 and 33, 
whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Are you willing to make the sacrifice? Because one of God's commands is to become Christ-like, who did just this. Not only was he humble, but he was willing to sacrifice everything for you and I. Are we willing to do the same thing? Unfortunately, present company excluded, of course, and even online. But most people can't even give one day a week. Most people can't even give one day a week to set aside everything else, to let the cattle, let God take care of the cattle on a thousand hills for a morning while we go and join for the sole and express purpose of worshiping Him together. There is not one idea in the New Testament that does not include you and I being a part of an ecclesia. Not necessarily a church organization, but the body of Christ. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of so-called Christians think that Christianity is going to church on Sunday. I say it's the first step. The second step is living every single day. The third step is, is studying his word. The fourth step is applying that word to help our fellow man, to help our neighbors, to be the men and women that God has called us to be. And we cannot do that. You will not do that without sacrifice, without sacrifice. Chris Kyle didn't fit the stereotypes of the sullen lone wolf sniper. In many ways, he was far from the model serviceman. He was seldom seen in anything remotely resembling a military uniform. His teammates remember him painting the Punisher skull on his body armor, helmets, and even his guns. He also cut the sleeves off of his shirt. That's a great way to find a wife, by the way. That's right. He wore civilian hunting shoes instead of combat boots, issuing the protection of Kevlar headgear. This is really hard for me to say. He wore his old Texas Longhorns baseball cap. Yeah. He told people he wore that so that they, the enemy knew Texas was represented that Texans shoot straight. Kyle heard people call snipers cowards. He would point out that snipers, especially in urban warfare, decrease the number of civilian casualties. Plus, he said, I will reach out and get you however I can if you're threatening American lives. He terrorized his enemies in true folk hero fashion. In 2006, intelligence officers reported that there was a $20,000 bounty on his head. Later, it went up to $80,000. He joked that he was afraid to go home at one point. I was worried that my wife might turn me in, he said. Taya had been asked often over the years how she reconciles the two Chris Kyles, the trained killer and the loving husband and father. The man who rolled around on the floor with his kids and planned vacations to historical sites and called from wherever he could. Once he thought the phone was off and she ended up overhearing a firefight. She always worried about him, but understanding how he could do what he did was never hard for her. Chris was out there fighting for his brothers because he loved them, she says. He wanted to protect them and make sure they all got to home, got to go home to their families. He never cared to talk much about the number of confirmed kills he had. It's likely considerably higher than what the Pentagon has released, but certain records could remain classified for decades. Besides, while the number garners a lot of questions, it does not tell Kyle's story. He told people he wished he could somehow calculate not the number of people that he killed, but the number of people that he had saved. That's the number I'd care about, he said. I'd put that everywhere. 
Top hand quality number three. We've talked about humility. We've talked about a great sacrifice. And number three, a top hand serves a higher authority. Real top hands serve. They serve God and their fellow cowboys. They do not choose where they go or what they do. They complete the job that they've been asked to do. Writing for Jesus means the specific application of his word in your life and doing what he commands. Serving a higher authority. Writing for Jesus means applying his word in your life and doing what he commands. And he is not unspecific. He is not unspecific. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And again, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he is not unspecific. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of every age. Some view Christianity as a philosophy to toy with, argue, debate, and explore. I'm not against apologetics or defending our faith. These things are vital. However, Christianity is not a choose-your-own-adventure faith. Do not be deceived. Jesus has a real mission that he wants accomplished in this world. His agenda is making disciples for the kingdom of God. When a church denomination, a church or denomination drifts from the commands of Christ to love God, love others, and make disciples, their impact is weakened. How do you know what you're supposed to do, though? How do you know what you're supposed to do? I, I, I don't know how, to, how else to say this, okay? I don't know how else to say this. And, and I'm not thinking of a single person whenever I say this. But in cowboy ministry, I talk to hundreds of people that are uh, struggling with this very question. What am I supposed to do? Most of them want to start a horse ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's a bad idea, but here, here's what I have learned. What are you supposed to do? Well, I think that what you're supposed to do is be ready because God's will for your life will not come from your own ideas. If you would have asked me a dozen years ago, or if you would have told me, if somebody would have walked up to me and said, hey, Kevin, I, you know, I've got a word from the Lord. Like, all right, what is it? <laughs> you're going to be a preacher. I laughed in his face. What I do today was never my idea. Coming to Kiowa, Colorado, I lived on the family ranch. I was third generation on the family ranch, raising my kids on the family ranch, and I wanted to be there until the day I died, but God had other plans. He came up and he said, you remember whenever you told me to, uh, that you don't know what I could do with a sorry cowboy like you, but if I would have you, that you would go where I wanted you to go, you'd do what I wanted you to do, you'd say what I wanted you to say, and you'd be who I wanted you to be. Did you mean that? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, then this is what I want you to do. And I was like, everything but that. No, I, I mean, that, 
that's only half in jest. Because you see, that's what I wanted. That was going to be my ministry. I was, I was going to raise my kids up in the cowboy way and, and, and the legacy, and I was hoping that they would be the fourth generation on that ranch. But God had other plans. And if you're going to follow him, if you're going to figure out what God wants you to do, it's going to be a higher authority, and it's not going to be some great idea. I always say that the, there's a big difference between a good idea and a God idea. Good ideas are fruitless. God ideas will never fail. Somebody te- uh, sent me a message just the other day, and she, and she said, how did you know that God was calling you to move to Kiowa? How did you know? And I said, for two reasons. Number one, it was so obvious a blind man could see it. And number two, I didn't want to do it. That may sound so crazy to you, but this is not what I wanted to do. I was in a town of 10,000, not a town of 700. I was on my own ranch, not, not a leased place. I thought that my life was great. And upon leaving there, I realized that God could do more with a few people sitting in chairs and watching on the internet than I could with my own hopes and dreams. We must be humble. We must be willing to sacrifice everything in order to follow God. And we must, absolutely must, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, we must serve a higher authority than our own selfish wants and desires. It was a little after lunch on Saturday, February 2nd, when they picked up a young 25-year-old Marine that had been depressed, named, last name of Ruth. And they headed west off Highway 67. They got to Rough Creek Lodge around 3.15 p.m., and they turned up a snaking three-mile road toward the lodge and let a Rough Creek employee know they were heading to the range another mile and a half down a rocky, unpaved road. This was a place that Kyle loved. He'd given many lessons here over the last three years. He'd spend hours working with anyone who showed an interest in shooting. This is where he would take his boys when they needed to get away. In the right light, the dry, blanched hills and cliffs looked a little bit like the places they'd been in in Iraq. When a group went out there away from the rest of the world that could relax and enjoy the camaraderie so many of them missed. We may never know exactly what happened next. They weren't there for long, police suspect, before Ruth turned his semi-automatic pistol on Kyle and Littlefield. He took Kyle's truck, left Rough Creek, and headed east on 67. Later, he would tell his sister that he traded his soul for a new truck. A hunting guide from the lodge spotted two bodies covered in blood, both shot multiple times. Chris Kyle's memorial was held at Cowboy Stadium to accommodate the 7,000 people who wanted to pay their respects. Before the doors even opened that morning, there was a line wrapped halfway around the stadium, people standing patiently in the cold, damp air. His casket was draped with the American flag and placed on the giant star at the 50-yard line. When the ceremony ended, uniformed pallbearers carried out the casket to the sounds of mournful bagpipes. Taya walked behind them with her children, hand in hand. The next day, the casket was driven to Austin. There was a procession nearly 200 miles long, almost certainly the longest in American history. People lined the road in every town, waving flags and saluting. American flags were draped over every single bridge on I-35 between the Kyle home in Middle Lothian and the state capitol. Taya stood strong, surrounded by her husband's SEAL brothers, and told the world about their love at Texas Stadium, at Cowboy Stadium. Taya spoke as she looked at Chris's casket and said to him, 
God knew it would take the toughest and softest-hearted man on earth to get a hard-headed, cynical, hard-loving woman like me to see what God needed me to see. He chose you for the job. With her voice cracked and filling the stadium, she ended with, he chose well. Top hand, quality number four. Talked about humility. We've talked about sacrifice. We have talked about serving a higher authority, not ourselves. And number four, a top hand is willing to lay down his life. Top hands want to fight, live, and win. Fight for the right things. To live a life worth living and to claim the crowns that God has so generously promised us for those that are willing to fight until the end. They do not have a death wish, but they understand that the sacrifice is required to be who God made them to be. They are willing to lay down their lives for their faith and their neighbor. This makes them effective and very dangerous. They are willing to use all they have to fight, live, win, and die if need. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ. And in Matthew 20.28, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. We need top hands in the church. Not in Save the Cowboy, but in the church, in the body of Christ. We need top hands. We need warriors. We need men and women who are God-focused, not self-focused. You don't have to go to the other side of the planet to serve God. It begins right now, right where you are. We must die to ourselves in the regular and mundane patterns of this life. We have to focus on Jesus when no one else is looking. You only have one life to live, and we should lay it down for Jesus each and every single day. There is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. John 15, 13.